Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside, he's allergic to tomatoes, but he's tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Fill my eyes with that WandaVision. Um, our second, I, 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 that I couldn't help it. I, I introduced this as an untitled movie review, uh, technically our second television review of the year. I think we've done more TV reviews than we have proper movie reviews this year in 2021. We have Cobra Kai out there content. What's that? The C word. Yeah. Content. Yeah, I know it's getting harder and harder to determine what is, you know, what's the difference other than length and how it's kind of broken up, but um, pretty pumped to be talking about this one today. Yes. Today we are reviewing WandaVision on Disney plus, which is premiering on uh, January uh, 15th, which is tomorrow, Friday. Um, we will be reviewing the first three episodes. So um, tomorrow on the 15th, you'll be able to get episode one and two on Disney plus, And then episode three will be next week. Um, but we did have access to the first three episodes. It's pretty pumped to talk about this. Uh, Eric, when that Marvel Studios logo came on the screen, all was right in the world to me for like 10 seconds before I started <laughs> thinking about how everything else was on fire. But um, pretty pumped that the MCU is back. If uh, anyone, if you're a first time listener, um, this is Untitled Movie Reviews. We usually review movies, but sometimes, you know, as Eric mentioned, it's hashtag content and we want to review it because what is a movie what is television so uh, we will be reviewing uh wandavision probably these three episodes and then we'll play it week by week and see how we want to kind of handle it after that but um yeah the mcu is back man how you feeling i'm feeling good i'm feeling good matt i mean one of my biggest criticisms with uh the mcu over the years over these uh phases that we've gone through is that it's a very much a, a televisual medium and yes there has been uh, attempts to bring it to the small screen with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, and even the Inhumans, one of which was canceled and the other show kind of felt like only, you know, a certain group of people watched it, your parents. Um, but yeah. now- this, And the Netflix shows too. Yeah, where this is really starting to dig into, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe moving to the television medium, but also kind of being experimental- is it Lynchian? Well, we'll talk about that on, on today's episode. <laughs> um, personally, uh, spoiler alert, I don't think it is. But the other thing that we will not spoil is anything that happens uh, of yeah. significance. Um, we'll kind of just give our general thoughts on um, what we thought of the three episodes. And that's something as well that I wanted to talk to you about in terms of reviewing this. Because we did um, review The Mandalorian, the first two episodes of The Mandalorian in a similar way. And we, You mentioned that we talked about Cobra Kai seasons one and two. Uh, as a spoiler cast and then season three um, as a spoiler free episode, but we got to see the whole se season. This we're only getting to see a couple puzzle pieces, a few puzzle pieces yeah. and sort of you're, you're guessing what is going on or what the overall, you know, final picture is going to be once all the pieces are in place. So your mind is kind of, guessing what is going to be you know the twist or the reveal as you know each episode goes along but essentially what it is wandavision takes both wanda and vision hence the title and puts them into a sitcom scenario in each and every week um each episode kind of pays tribute to different uh sitcoms Decade. of, uh, decades of the golden years so um 
You know, the first two episodes are very much in the early 60s with the Dick Van Dyke show uh, and Bewitched. I mean, to the point where uh, uh, Catherine Hahn is uh, – her character's name is Agnes, and Agnes Moorhead was the name of one of the, the actors on uh, Bewitched. And then in the third yeah. episode that we watched, it kind of goes more into the 70s with a kind of Partridge family, you know, the monkeys kind of vibe to it. And it, you know, is, is shot in that kind of – four by three aspect ratio. Um, the first two episodes are in black and white. There's also a nod to Pleasantville uh, in there as well, which I think uh, a lot of people will kind of enjoy. Um, it's it's a very easy watch for the first three episodes. There's things happening on the peripheral that are kind of, you know, getting you to guess what is going to happen or what, you know, this is all leading up to, but at the same time, I think one of the things that's most exciting about this is that it is indulging in the sitcom world, even to the point mm-hmm. of using the canned, you know, laugh track, um, and having no, fun with that. No, it's great, dude. I, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I feel like this isn't technically going to be a review. I don't think we should put a score at the end of it. It's, we've seen, you know, 33% of this right now. Um, I, but I did want to talk to you about our impressions because we got to see these first three episodes. And yeah, we only have a slice of the puzzle. But for me, it's like this is exactly what makes me happy with the MCU is that like we talked about it. And, you know, the MCU started ironically with Age of Ultron is where I, when that movie came to theaters, I was almost MCU'd out at that point, I remember, and going, you know what, it, this feels derivative, we're just kind of getting the same shit over and over again after Iron Man 2 and kind of how they led into Age of Ultron and and um, even the first Avengers movie. And just like, I just felt kind of, you know, uh, underwhelmed at that point. Going back and rewatching them now and seeing how everything came together leading into Endgame and it kind of picked up in phase three for me when they started to become a little bit more filmmaker friendly and started to let people experiment with the characters or let them make movies that, you know, were true to that director's vision rather than being uh, a <laughs> vision. Um, it's also shot in a vision. And I get that you kind of have to be part of this overall, you know, um, episodic kind of thing that they got going on with the MCU, but they let people become, you know, be a little bit weirder with Iron Man three, with Thor Ragnarok, you know, with guardians of the galaxy. And like, I feel like that's continuing and the further and further we get along. And now that we're post end game and entering phase four, WandaVision really just shows me that like it, they're letting people kind of get weird with it. And no, I agree with you. It's not Lynchian. I, I get why, you know, certain people would see, uh, you know, one of the weirder moments in the episode. That's not even that weird. It's just a little, you know, off kilter a little bit, but people see suburbia and someone acting a bit strange and then they go, Oh, Oh, it's, you know, not even suburbia, but like small town vibe, like twin peaksy kind of someone blue velvet or even like the dinner scene in a racer head with the small chickens. Like each episode of the show does take plot points from classic sitcoms that, I mean, like, you know, if you're from our age group, you'll recognize them being rehashed already with like, you know, the Simpsons when, you know, um, Chalmers comes over to principal Skinner's place and, uh, they have uh, steamed hams and steamed ham, uh, uh, you know, burgers, crusty burgers. And I just love their commitment to, 
the gimmick, right? Yeah. Because like this is like something I wouldn't have imagined them doing, you know, in phase two. And now that we're in phase four and they're like, okay, we're going to commit to this sitcom thing. We're going to add a little bit of weirdness in each episode, but it's basically going to be a straight up homage to a specific decade or a specific stylish show. Like you said, it's going to take a plot line that feels ripped right out of that, that decade and kind of completely do it very straight with the laugh track, with the corny jokes, with the, kind of overacting and um but then you just have you know these characters that we've seen in in multiple movies now and vision just being vision or you know his paul bettany self at times too even with the little twinkle every time he changes and like which is a bewitched I, nod as well again yeah even a genie with the sound effect and uh each episode has its own um uh sa- um intro with like uh different art styles and uh music and just like they really commit to paying homage to these different sitcoms in these different decades and i i really appreciate it appreciate them for it because i feel like they could have went you know the half and half route but i like that it is just very straight up a sitcom episode and then you get a little tinge of what's the mystery here? Like what's going on? Like what's the MCU part of this? Like what's the superhero movie element of this rather it just being, you know, Wanda, whatever is happening to her or is she in her own head or, or whatever. Um, the first episode, like, I don't want we're not going to give anything away, but it, it, it leaves you wanting more. I feel like with the kind of cliffhanger. And then I'm like, Oh, I'm very intrigued of how they're going to play this out. But I like that each episode was kind of a slow burn and not that it wasn't entertaining because it was entertaining in like a fun sitcom way. But then each episode where you get these tinges of weirdness, which is that Lynchian thing people <laughs> brought up before um, you kind of go, Oh, I, what's going on here? Like what, like, what how come monica rambo's character is she doesn't know necessarily who she is yeah why is she going by geraldine like stuff like that yeah and um i feel like by the end of episode three um they really kind of get their hooks in you of going all right i love this style i love that each episode's going to be fun and quirky and um you know, it looks like they went from, you know, yeah, 50s, 60s to 60s, 70s. And now it looks like they'll probably go into the 80s, hopefully. And then like going, can't wait till we get to the 90s and 2000 homages too, to like Full House. And I heard that they might do, you know, the office and modern family kind of things um, or like situational comedies like that too. And I'm just, I'm totally all in, man. Like it's, it's something different. I think it's the perfect way for Marvel Studios to get into, you know, the TV space. And I always agreed with you that it always had kind of a big, huge mega budget TV feel because everything was interconnected and it was a chapter of this overarching story, um, had a similar look on all the movies. So like, it kind of makes sense that, you know, the future of the MCU um, is going to be on Disney plus for a lot of it. And then we're going to get, you know, the bigger movies and theaters, obviously. But, um, this makes me very, very excited. Like I, I thought it was very funny. I laughed out loud, love the style of it, love the commitment to it. Um, I love both the performances from Elizabeth Olsen and, and Paul Bettany, just completely committing to it. And, um, uh, Catherine Hahn is always underrated. And Tiana um, Paris, Tiana um, Paris as, great, yeah. as, uh, yeah. Again, they don't reveal her character yet, but we know that just through them announcing that that's who she's playing in the, in the show. Um, Fred Melamed is fantastic. Um, 
uh, the actress who plays Kitty from that 70s oh, show. Deborah Jo um, uh, Rupp. De- yeah, Deborah Jo Rupp and then is also fantastic. For Buffy fans, uh, Dottie is played by uh, Emma uh, Caulfield Ford, who was in the later seasons of, of Buffy as well. And and going back to the to the musical cues, like the opening themes, they're all done by uh, Robert Lopez and Kirsten Anderson Lopez, um, the songwriters and lyricists for uh, the Frozen movies. So they kind of, again, like – you know, once you get to the third episode, which is all in color and kind of is getting into the seventies, the, 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 the opening sort of song for that or title sequence very much is in line with the Partridge family to the point where you'll have, you know, come on, get happy stuck in your head, uh, afterwards, because you'll be thinking about that nonstop. And then, you know, the, the references that they're playing with, they are very self-aware, but they're committed to the bit, whether it be, you know, uh, you know, playing with kind of a trial of errors with comedy or slapstick humor that kind of, they play that up, you know, the, the, the working class sort of man versus woman kind of thing of, you know, the housewife versus the working sort of husband. Um, They look at that in an interesting way. And I think it's kind of tongue in cheek, but also at the same time, bringing in a little bit of commentary to say like, okay, we get like, you know, these shows mean something to people that grew up, but you also have to realize, you know, there are, there are dated aspects to them as well, um, which I think is kind of interesting. And again, like the actual plots to the kind of like, you know, the episodic nature of each episode is, is very much in line with the writing of, you know, the 1960s into the 70s and how, like, every episode was just a one-off. And, you know, it was just putting yeah. the characters – again, like, the idea of what a, a sitcom is is situational comedy. So you're putting the characters exactly, into, yeah. okay, this week they're going to you – know, Magic show. Magic show. You know, a talent show for the <laughs> yeah. children. And I think that was the biggest yeah. laugh I got when I saw the banner. That for the children, the children. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Stuff like that. Or, like, the other thing that I loved in this as well is, like, they, they actually – have um small commercials you know in, in each one oh god yeah really, really we should work, talk about that that's uh, fantastic quite well so yeah yeah you get the fade to black and then it comes back from and shows you like i don't want to give those away because they are really fun and i feel like they do have some you know some puzzle pieces to the mystery um in those commercials i mean some are more obvious than others i think the more you see of them the more obvious they're kind of leaning into possibly what who could be behind what's happening in the show and stuff like that. I don't know. I'll talk to you about it off air, Eric, and eventually we might do a spoiler cast or something or, or once these episodes are out, we can theorize of what we think is happening um, maybe on the main show or something like that. But um, yeah, I loved those commercials. Even from the first one, there's a sound cue on a toaster where I was like, Oh, that's awesome. And then when you find out who makes the toaster, you're like, this is fantastic. And that's what I mean by like the commitment to, you know, the bit or to the gimmick of the show. Like it was pitched as this thing and they're like, no, it's not just going to be like a, a, a way to introduce you to, you know, a big budget Marvel movie. We're going to commit to this. And it seems like they will, and they'll slowly give you those puzzle pieces as it goes on. And I think that mystery element is that thing. That's the most interesting, right? Because the, like I mentioned, And like you said, that situational humor, the one-off episodes are going to be a lot of fun, 
But the thing that's going to keep, you know, fans, I, I think that's the stuff where anyone could jump into the show and probably enjoy it just because you're like, oh, this is kind of strange, but it feels familiar. And um, I like what it's paying tribute to. But then people who are big MCU nuts and, and things like that, they have this mystery that's surrounding the show where you get only maybe, you know, a couple minutes of it each episode. But I just felt like every little thing that they've shown, I'm like, that's really intriguing. You'll see a logo on a, on a, you know, a toy that's in color, or you'll see something else. And like, you, you go, what the hell is that? Or what does that mean? And and like, you wonder who's behind the whole thing. So like, uh, um, we haven't gotten like a, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think like, I think the television format is perfect for that mystery box kind of style thing that we haven't maybe necessarily gotten. Like there's been some surprises and twists and turns in Marvel movies, but when you're playing within, you know, nowadays two to two and a half hours of a, a superhero movie, you got to be focused on big action and set pieces and, and exciting character moments you don't necessarily have the time to build a mystery and that's what i kind of also appreciate about the show well because there are so many characters in these marvel movies i mean that's always another criticism is that you you know you introduce so many characters and you don't really have a lot of time to sort of build up their backstory and you look at iron man the first iron man movie i mean and a lot of people forget that iron man was like a c-level marvel character you know it was always spider-man and the hulk that were x-men and x-men that were the big ones and then like even when the first iron man movie was coming out people were kind of like okay like the trailers are cool and all that but like i don't really know who iron man is maybe i saw him on the 90s you know spider-man cartoon and a guest spot or something like that and then iron man became you know as big or maybe even bigger than spider-man or the x-men and things like that so i feel with these series that we're going to be getting you know in the next year or so with you know um you know uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and things like that and and Loki you're going to get more character built moments and and obviously each show tonally will be a little bit different but I think it's going to help characters that are are also very much on the C or D list like Wanda and Vision aren't you know like characters that you go like oh I can't wait to see what they're going to do in their feature films but with this it gives them an outlet to kind of play with the characters and build development and an arc and a storyline that actually makes you maybe care a little bit more than you did when they were first introduced in Age of Ultron so it gives them more of an identity and flushes them out as individuals and also as a couple yeah, I totally agree with that. And uh, um yeah, going back to the or this is how the origins of the MCU. So going into this next phase after you finish that first 10 years, I think it's the perfect way of going about it. You take these characters that yeah. I mean, I still think people cared about Vision and and Wanda even though they were maybe the B or C tier characters in the MCU, but um I like the approach on Disney Plus for this. I totally agree with you where it's like and then that's why I think they can get even weirder or or take more risks with these characters because they're not as protective of them right because that's going back to some of my issues i talked about where we got into phase two of the mcu where you know kevin feige's in charge and i think he's a great you know person to spearhead this whole thing but you know some filmmakers had some frustrations in phase two being like all right it seems like we're just doing what you want to lead to this point rather than you letting us kind of do what we want kind of thing and i feel like there needs to be a balance and um shout out to that whole team for you know finally getting to a point where 
you know, they can do stuff like this and, and take characters and yeah, make people huge fans of them, even though they are kind of these B and C or tier characters. But yeah, that is kind of wild that like going back to the origins that like the reason why, you know, they sold all their popular characters, right? That's yeah. why they had the rights to Iron Man and Captain America and stuff is because no one gave a shit back then about them. But like, it's a testament to, you know, how well they've built this up over the last decade and to the point where we can get a, you know, a half hour sitcom thing with a, a robot man and a, and a, and a, a witch. A European like, witch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which I'm also happy that, co- she, that Elizabeth yeah. Olsen ditched the accent because the accent like Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow is, is terrible. Um, it's also, I think really uh, interesting and worthwhile mentioning that, you know, as the superhero genre has expanded over the last, you know, 15 odd years, almost like it feels like, you know, with even going back into the eighties with, with Batman and that kind of becoming a cultural phenomenon into itself with DC, you know, like it's, it's interesting to see where they're going to kind of, you know, put their, as you mentioned, like be more experimental or at least be willing to kind of, play with characters that they're not afraid of, but also respect the filmmakers and let them do their thing. Because there are moments in this where you can feel like, okay, you know, stylistically you're kind of taken by the aesthetic and them going for the, the approach and nothing against director Adam, uh, uh, Matt Shackman. I was going to say Adam Shankman, uh, but Matt Shackman, um, who I think probably is a, a fine sort of, you know, director for hire kind of TV guy. And, you know, he's following everything along to a T, but you look at, you know, his style and then you kind of compare that to, um, you know, Black Panther or Guardians of the Galaxy or Iron Man 3. And you know that those filmmakers are doing something a little bit different. You know, there there is sort of a dichotomy between film and television, even in the the MCU. But it works because it's it's formatted for it properly and it bridges the or gap. Television. Between- He's a television guy. Yeah, and right? it bridges yeah. the gap between the two. Because even though I mean like I'm sure, you know, some of those filmmakers that I mentioned would do just fine making a TV series, they might not be able to conform to sort of the foundation that Kevin Feige is working with. And that's why you get burnout with, you know, people like John Favreau and Joss Whedon over the years where, you know, like even though Favreau seems to have mended, um, you know, sort of certain um, aspects of, of the Marvel universe with, with uh, Kevin Feige and staying on as an executive producer where Whedon's kind of just completely removed himself. Um, I understand why there's that fatigue and also just like trying to put your own personal stamp on something that is kind of factory built. And it's almost like you bring in the director to just keep the machine running for, you know, the night shift or something like that until the next person, you know, comes in and and takes the spot and, you know, so on and so forth. I agree. Yeah. And um, I want to give a, uh, I just want to talk briefly about, how I don't feel like the quality uh, dropped at all from, you know, it doesn't look like it looks like a Marvel Studios production where I was worried a little bit when you went from film to television that would it cheapen it. But I feel like they like with a lower budget and spread out over, you know, instead of two and a half hours, it spread out over four and a bit. Um over the half hour episodes. Um, but I will say there, it seems like they're very smart with their budget. Cause from the quick research I did, it seemed like the show had a $150 million budget, but you got to think like a lot of the, like 80%, 80 to 90% of each episode so far has been, you know, a very sitcom kind of, 
the production design I think is great in each episode, but you know, it's obviously on a soundstage and they built these sets just to be very true to, you know, the sitcom style and feel. So I'm curious to see how, how we go along. It's like, if they had a $150 million budget, then I, the, the third act of this show will be really interesting to see um, if it does get to that, you know, classic superhero third act where there's a little bit more action and stuff like that. If they break away from the sitcom format and go into whatever the climax of the show will be. Um, Cause from the stuff that we see, that's not from the sitcom stuff. It still looks very, you know, I think they've, they nailed the look like where in Mandalorian, I, I love it, but it does. It doesn't feel like it's the same level as a S- Star Wars movie. Does that make sense? Like, I don't think it. I think Mandalorian was more enjoyable or better than a lot of the sequel trilogy. But I mean, from like a budget and look and feel. But I know they're two very different things. Where Mandalorian's supposed to be kind of empty in the Western, going from ta- small town to small town. Like it didn't need to be big and bombastic. But I don't know if if you feel the same, Eric. That there was like. It felt like a little bit of a budget drop on Mandalorian where I'm not necessarily seeing that so far here. I, you know, I mean, I, I disagree a little bit in terms of like, I think the Mandalorian looks really good. And I think especially the second season, I understand what you're saying, like in terms of it does feel like, oh, it, it is a series and it's, you know, the, the formula and structure of the arc and, and, and just the overall written narrative plays differently to that. But I, I think just in terms of its aesthetic appeal, it looks and feels like Star Wars and it yeah. does feel very much like that. And I think why partly also, again, why the Marvel show does kind of feel just like a continuation of um, the the film series is that they actually are bringing in actors from the movie series. Okay. Yeah, it, that's fair. Where with a lot of the, the Mandalorian, they are, you know, there are nods and references and Easter eggs to the films, but it's mostly, you know, a, a, a new cast, a, a cast of characters, a cast of actors that are, you know, TV people, comedians, up and coming actors. So it's, it's an array of new talent where, you know, you're, you're, you're bringing in, you're introducing new characters into WandaVision, but at the same time, you are also, your main cast is still people yeah, who are featured. Yeah. In so, so audiences, will be comfortable coming into this and be interested because they'll be like, oh yeah, I remember, I, you know, I recognize that robot guy and, you know, that, that <laughs> magic witch and, and who's now yeah. talking in a, an American accent instead of a, you know, a European, which she got, she kind of got rid of after immediately after Ultron, it felt like, like right. she slowly got rid of it and now she just fully, but she, does sing, <laughs> she does sing at one point or hum, um, in Sokovian, in Sokovian. Yeah. Um, but that's another thing as well. I think like one of the thing w- things will be interesting to, to watch or rewatch with this is that, you know, you're, you're so kind of dumbfounded by again, the aesthetic and the production design and the commitment to, um, you know, the period, of which they're depicting on each episode that you might kind of miss certain hints within the dialogue or conversations yeah. that are, I think, intentionally there to distract you the first time. There's a little bit with Geraldine and uh, Wanda specifically, a conversation that occurs. And again, like it's kind of balancing all these, these kind of like big moments to reveal. But at the same time, I think you need to pay attention to what's being said because that also is a key to, you know, what is happening in, yeah. Yeah, in, in the overall sort of bigger picture of everything. 
Yeah, I want to give a shout out. I don't know the actor's name, but the mustached guy, very funny. Oh, Paul. <laughs> um, yeah, I just liked him. He kind of almost uh, looks like it. like David Schwimmer's brother. Yeah, but with a giant mustache. Um, liked that. What was dude. it, Phil? No, it was um, Phil. Pardon me. Uh, yeah, Phil next door. It's um, he's great. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a good blend of comedy. They not a ton of action in those first three episodes, but they leave you with enough. I don't necessarily, I'm glad we didn't get much. Like I like that they're going to spread this out over a whole season and that I don't really know what's going on. Uh, there's a couple actors that were announced for the show that we did not see in the first three episodes. I don't want to necessarily say that like what, cause I want you guys to just experience this, but uh, I'm intrigued to see how those people come into play. Although I think we might've heard one of their voices um at one point but um super intrigued by the whole thing um i'm just glad the mcu is back i think the show is perfect for you know people who are going to be hardcore obsessive fans like me who rewatch you know the mcu every year um and then also for like casual fans or or i i know my mom's gonna dig this show because of all the homages to you know shows that she either grew up with or her or my oma or her mom grew up with that she watched as a kid and stuff like that and she she loves the mcu too she just went and rewatched them in chronological order i haven't even done that um and uh so i i, I just think it's and even if you're not an mcu person but you have a disney plus account like i feel like it's not necessarily a great entry point because it's going to be obviously very different than anything else that you watch but i mean you could jump in here and it's just kind of a like a fun mystery box style show that's you know sit in sitcomy in nature and i think it'd still be enjoyable so um i'm all in uh, i really i watched i could could have watched the whole season last night we had three episodes um i'm bummed i gotta this is the biggest first world problem ever right now but like i'm bummed we gotta wait two weeks now for a new episode uh which is you know the most privileged thing i've said in a while right. um very, very happy that we got to see these but now i gotta wait two weeks but um as a huge fan of the mcu i'm all in if this is the quality that we're gonna get out of these shows and you can make me care about characters that you know were side characters that you know you know when vision dies in in endgame i'm not like crying <laughs> it's just like oh, okay the robot guy died you're like right. that's they seem they were in love that sucks and and same with wanda um you know her her i mean aaron taylor johnson and 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 who was awful and and obviously elizabeth olsen's much better but um they did a good job making you kind of care about her leading into endgame but like i'm impressed that watching this show um i'm like yep i care about wanda and vision now and i want to know what happens so yeah, wow, I mean it's point. not as it's not as good as too many cooks, but what is in life? Um, but it's it's fun and and I, and again, like I think for people that loved you know prime time network television in the '60s onward, you know tube television and appointment television, where you know they'd sit down and and watch something with their family or or you know like enjoy the the shows that we mentioned as as kids. And you mentioned you know like even like your mom watching shows that she grew up with will get a kick out of it. And if you're a Marvel fan on top of that, it only sweetens the deal. I mean, of course you're going to watch it if you're a Marvel fan. I mean, well, yeah. there, there's, I mean, it's, the, they don't even really waited a year and a bit. That, yeah. right? So we've waited a year and a bit since far from home. So people are clamoring. Yeah. My only, my only criticism or concern will be once it's all said and done and we, you know, see what this season has to offer and what it's leading into. 
looking back at the journey, will it have been worth it? Like that's, that's always the, the, the thing when you have the, you know, the twist or the mystery box, you know, once the mystery, it's more interesting not to know, but to kind of be, to, to have your own idea. Yeah. It's harder to stick the landing because yeah. everyone's going to go, Oh, what is that? Like, is it this person controlling it? Is it involving this? Blah, 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 blah. So I'm with you on that. I mean, you know me, I, I was a huge fan of lost. I love the mystery box shit. So like, um, and I, I'm usually pretty open to, you know, letting the creators, you know, give me answers. And even if it's not necessarily what I thought was going to happen, you just take that and hopefully be okay with it. If it's still, you know, maybe not what you wanted, but still kind of interesting. But yeah, I, I'm with you. Uh, I'm curious to see um, what happens next. That's uh, that's why, and that's what I think the best thing that you could uh, possibly say for a show like this. So stay tuned for more Wandavision. Yes, we're not going to give a. We'll maybe give it a final rating once the whole first season's over. Maybe do a spoiler cast or something like that on the whole first season. Um, we'll probably give our impressions, you know, here and there, whether it's on other shows like the Untitled Movie Podcast, which I love, would love for you guys to go subscribe to. It's our, you know, flagship show where Eric and I, you know, shoot the shit, talk about what's going on in our lives, talk about the entertainment industry. Our most recent episode, the eighty first draft, we talked about the best hashtag content of the year we talk about the best tv shows the best movies the best video games the best Podcast. uh, podcasts um different things like that so go check out that uh plenty of other reviews like we mentioned like cobra kai promising young woman which is also available to stream this weekend for rental january 15th go check out that review with the wonderful joey noel from kind of funny uh cobra kai is fantastic go listen to that review go watch that show if you want another really fun um action comedy series that bridges the movies um, to the series as well yes right? exactly yeah um as well as untitled movie conversations we have a conversation with uh, joey noel from kind of funny nick scarf pino happy birthday nick it was his birthday yesterday um and uh, joey madison from awards radar um, go check out all those on untitled movie conversations um Go subscribe, not subscribe, go follow us on all of those social media. Well, subscribe to everything. Leave us a review if you have, if you are so to- so kind on your podcast service of choice. Um, go follow us on all those social medias at untitled underscore cast. And as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com. And you can follow me on all of those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric Marchin. You can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at em6211. Until next time. Yakety yak, don't talk back. <laughs>